Lead pass. Step back, puts up the three, got hit, shot's good, and one! James Harden double-team and a chance for a four-point play. Alrighty, welcome back to the DC Pod. I'm Christian, joined as always to cover all things basketball, Dallas diehard Darcy. It makes sense, Darcy, to start off with your Mavs because on the last few days of the regular season, the team you now face in the first round decided to tank in uh, the Clippers mm-hmm. to to match up with you guys and ultimately avoid that Lakers Phoenix side of the bracket. Uh, how do you feel going into uh, basically a rematch of what happened in the bubble? I feel great. If you can, those of us watching on YouTube can see I've gone all Dallas stuff here in the background. This is winning time. This is when you can only follow one team all the way to the championship. And although no one's picking us to, to make any real noise in this playoffs, I think we're a bit of a dark horse in the Western Conference to make some some big noise. I, I was happy with matching up against Denver. I thought we definitely would have handled them. The Clippers is probably another step up. That's a, that's a tougher matchup, but I'm looking forward to it. And for me, I, I like being the underdog in this scenario because if the Clippers lose to us, then, you know, shit's going to hit the fan in LA. But Dallas, we're just going to root hard and, and try to try to see this team do something this this season. One one thing I'll mention is last time that the Mavericks were this high of a seed, a fifth seed, was 2011. And we all know what happened in the end of that season. Yes. We were yes, able to hold up the banner. So, so it's a good regular season for the boys. I don't know if I could have predicted at the beginning of the season that we'd end up in the fifth spot, but um, I'm pretty happy and confident in the moment. Yeah, well, look... I- I do actually like the Clippers' chances this year, but after seeing what they did the last couple of days, I think karma gods are going to come back to bite them. I don't really, I, I understand it obviously tactically, but I don't like it. I don't like when teams, if anyone watched, I think it was two days ago, they played Houston and uh, Zubach and Morris each played five minutes or seven minutes. And then basically uh, Ty Lue just sat him for the rest of the game and they have no injury. They're all healthy. So clear tank there to lose to a, a Houston team. That's half their roster. And then Kelly Olynyk is made up of guys on 10 day contracts. So they really didn't have a team. Um, and then today was, was about as blatant as it gets to, to lose to an OKC team that's trying to lose as well. So who I think they've only won two games in what the past two months, three months. Yeah. Um, Did you see uh, my boy Moses? The line from my yeah, boy that was Moses ridiculous. Brown? Yeah. <laughs> so what did what do you have? 18, 12, and seven blocks or something. Oh my over 20 points, 18 rebounds and seven blocks. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, ridiculous stat to finish it off. Um yeah, so the the main thing that stood out for me today, Das, was geez, I don't know about this Memphis team, but I, I think it's stuff we're not uh, totally surprised about. Um mm-hmm. You know, coming up against the Golden State team, it was like, look, it or, or a team in general heading into the playoffs, we sort of thought if you just clog up the paint, restrict Jar from being able to get wherever he wants, then who's their secondary option to play make from the perimeter? We know they've got Valanciunas and he ate today against Golden State, but but that didn't matter. That awesome. So uh, that's kind of what stuck out to me out of all the important games um just the fact that you know that strategy what we thought would would happen coming up against teams did and you saw the results like i know steph did his thing but uh i don't think steph was that impressive like he had 30 points in the second half he got off to a really slow start and memphis didn't take full advantage of that um Mm -hmm. so it's it is it is worrying for a memphis team coming in against and i i get it's the spurs and we'll discuss that matchup for the for the nine V 10 playing in the West, but in, in a one, in a single game, anything can happen as we know. So, uh, you know, the Spurs have given your Mavs trouble uh, uh, over the past mm. season in particular. I mean, what was it the DeRozan game winner uh, a few months back? Yeah. So anything stupid can happen. So it, it is worrying that, um, you know, Memphis were, were pretty beaten for the most part um, quite convincingly. And if not for, 
the guy I slander the most, Dylan Brooks, um, Dylan. Uh, that it could have been a blowout. So uh, that, that's really was, what stood out to me today. It was almost a, um, a match winner and a match coster in the same breath because he got himself fouled out at the crucial moment as well. So he did a great job kind of making Steph be a little bit inefficient. But I guess something that's really intriguing about Curry in these um, playing games is he's going to take his volume of shooting to another level. 22 three-pointers he put up today in one game. Like, you, you, if you just take a peep at the line, like, oh, he got 45, he must have shot really well and made all his threes. No, he didn't actually make that many of his threes today. He was just determined to do whatever it took to carry them offensively. And the, that's exactly what it's going to take for them to beat the Lakers and or the winner of, of Memphis and San Antonio. You, you're right. The, we talked about Memphis many times on this pod because they're an interesting team. They've got those those big cloud of doubt is still there on them. And um, yeah, Valanciunas is one of their most consistent. But then when it comes down to it, it's all about Ken Jark, the defense honest with his three-point shooting. He's going to have to knock some down if they're going to win these elimination games. It's, it's a good, really good test for Memphis because they had a taste of this last season in single-game elimination. So, you know, they're a team who's actually been in this situation before, which not, not really any other team can say. So look for them to, to come out strong in their matchup. And, um, yeah, we'll preview it soon. But, yeah, interesting signs today. I think the Warriors, they went really hard to win that one today, you know, and credit to them, they got it done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you mentioned Steph taking 22 threes. You know who also took a, a ton of threes today? The the Houston player, uh, Armani Brooks. Armani. Armani. He attempted yeah. 18 today. He made six. How does he get that license to shoot coming from only playing, you know, 15 games a season? Yeah, he's Just barely Bruce, played any. If, if you could name their 12-man roster, I'd challenge anyone out there to name their 12-man roster from today. Like, they, they just, I think they've played 29 or 30 players this season. I think only Brooklyn's got anywhere in that range. Brooklyn's close to 28 players that they've put on the NBA court this season, which wow. is so many. That's yeah. ridiculous. You know, close to 30 players. But it kind of makes a little bit of sense for, for, for Houston. You know, but but Brooklyn, it just shows, you know, they're willing to try anyone as well. So two of the most jumbled rotations in the league this season. Yeah, definitely. And the last thing I'll say about Houston before we get into um, previewing the play-ins, uh, did you know um, Cam Oliver got picked up by him? Oh, I missed yeah, that. I thought, of, he, I thought he was still in the of nice flashes. I thought he was still in the NBL and now he's, now he's playing for Houston. How did that happen? Yeah, well, he def- I'm surprised he wasn't on their kind of radar a little bit earlier. He had a monster season last year in the NBL, similar to Jay Sean Tate. They were both first-team All-NBL. All so I assume that it, that teams had had a look at, been thinking about Oliver as a potential, potential prospect. He, may, he really fits the athletic profile of the NBA. Like, he's, he's 6'8", and he's got a big, wide chest, and he can he looks like he can defend, you know, kind of the, the five position in the NBA with his size and his shot blocking. But he's also very quick up and down the court, you know, so he's a good rim running forward. And when he's consistently hitting a three-point shot, he looks like potentially a legitimate NBA player. I kind of had had I thought Jay Sean Tate was was capable of potentially playing in the NBA, but he's really shown me that, you know, he belongs for sure. Like he looks like a legit player right now already. So who's to say that those kind of similar guys who can thrive in the NBL that fit that athletic profile can actually do it in the NBA. And it does make it interesting to see what happens with the um, the uh, next stars, Josh Giddy from from Adelaide Thirty Sixes, and how high can he rise in that draft, and what big impact can he have? It's it's exciting for the NBL and for Australian basketball fans like us. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, uh, the Sydney Kings Brazilian um, Lazada Lazada got picked up. He? The, he went back to the Pels. Yeah, signed by the Pels. So he's I think he's had some spot minutes uh, here and there to finish out the season. I think he played a little bit against your Mavs and uh, potentially got a bit of game time. Not that I watched, but today against the Lakers, I, I can only assume he played some minutes. Um, so look, it's it's good. The more NBL to NBA sort of transitions we have just brings more credibility to the league, helps us get better players. And, you know, we can uh, really start to, you know, have a really dominant league that can be spoken about similar to how they sort of speak about the Euro league, for example, in, you know, it's, it seems to be NBA Euro league and then NBL uh, in that order. But, you know, the more and more we have these success stories, 
I think uh, it can really start to push us, push us up there because, uh, yeah, I remember just how things have transitioned, you know, uh, I, I can't think of a, a really good player that who was the first to make their way down. Was it like someone like Childress or Al Harrington or, you, you know, someone from Definitely. an NBA background, Th- those are the ones that ring, you know, the ring the bell for me, but the last few years, obviously getting the young guys and not getting the guys at the tail end of their career coming over. It's, it's really given a, a nice boost um, and it's forced, you know, scouts to start to look outside the box and not just think Europe or not just think, you know, in North America. So it's, uh, it's really, it's really exciting. And I, I'm very keen to see how, um, how giddy fares in this draft process. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a draft combine this year, um, but mm. even if, uh, I don't think he'd be that involved in it anyway. A lot of those top 10 picks, make sure they, you know, stay unknown don't give away too much. Hey. Uh, sort of the, what's a good example of, you know, the Dante Exum is, you know, that really helped. Oh, there wasn't yeah. much known about him and sort of who knows if, if you were able to see a bit more of him, he might not have gone, you know, fourth to Utah or whatever it was fifth. So um, Giddy does have the least yeah, of credibility because I- people can look and go, well, look, LaMelo Ball was, you know, out of this sort of uh, league last year and he was putting up the triple doubles and Giddy's doing it, but in a more efficient way this season. And he's, you know, is he the, is he the same age as well. Lamello, 18? Yeah. Yep. Same age. So and he's, he's leading, leading the league in assists. Giddy has just been, been released by Adelaide to, to do his pre-draft kind of work. Oh, really? so he's not, he's not going to be playing okay. for the rest of the NBL season. He's going to be focusing whether that's combine combine or not. We're not sure, but gotcha. yeah, he's leading up to it right now. So, Interesting times. It'll be interesting to see if he plays any part in the um the squad for the for the boomers at the Olympics as well, because that's another way for, for Australian basketball to really get stamped in a great point. You know, across the world is one of the best ones is to potentially come away with that elusive medal in the Olympics. So yeah, really looking forward to that. Hopefully that goes ahead. Yeah, well that's awesome. The fact that we can finish off the NBA season, not have too much of a break before we get some more high quality basketball, and then it leads into the the next NBA season. So um, you know, for you uh, hoop fans, it, it seems to be a, a pretty good time of year. That's for sure. Um, okay. Regular season is done. Thank goodness. We no longer have to sit through games, games and all of that. Gosh, um, can actually get to the business end. So the, the plane kicks off on Wednesday, uh, Australian time. I think the first game is Charlotte, Indiana at 8 a.m. And then Washington, Boston at 11 a.m. So uh, mm-hmm. Charlotte had obviously slipped the last week to 10 days so Five. much that they fell Five to the 10th row. seed. So they slipped They're all the way to 10th. they a home um, game. So that's, so that's, that's, that's really, it's, yeah, as you say, it's rough. It's unfortunate. They now face a Pacers team. And I guess my first question that I'll start it off with, Das, is who's even going to mm-hmm. be healthy for Indiana? Because Levert left today with an injury. Um, we don't know what's happening with Brogdon. Turner is definitely out. I'm pretty sure out. he's confirmed as out he's for out. the season. Um, they've, got, they've got Lamb, who's been injured. Um, their, mm-hmm. their injury list seems to be insane. Um, I don't think Hayward's going to be back for Charlotte. That feels like it's a bit too soon. Um, so, I mean, does Indiana even have... Well, I actually really like Charlotte. I heard. I know a lot of people think uh, this is mm. probably the Pacers game to take and the betting odds reflect that i think the the early yeah. uh odds are something like indiana a dollar 60 to charlotte 220 so so far that's what the the sort of uh i guess vegas thinks um how do you sort of sit on this game in particular because i'll just say i think i think both teams suck but i like charlotte because they suck less so that, that's okay. my stance <laughs> I think these two teams, yeah, they're they're completely different paths, I guess. Charlotte have been overachieving for a lot of the season and a lot of that consistent play that they had was with Haywood. To see them now in this position, like they've, they've been hanging around inside the playoff picture for their wins and losses for it feels like, you know, two months. They've yeah. just been hanging around, but it's really come to bite them in the last, in the last week with five straight losses, their worst losing streak of the season. And they've only just been able to get Lamelo a few games in a row. So 
when it comes down to what lineup you're going to see without Gordon Haywood, they're still very, very thin. Their number one option is Rosie, and we know how good he's been this season. And he's a clutch player. So I would look for him to potentially be the best player on the court in this game. But you also look over to, since returning from injury, Sabonis has been, you know, the most dominant player in the league statistically. Like, he is completely destroying teams on the interior, putting up over 25 points, over 12 rebounds a game, and dishing out heats of assists. So that'll be interesting because Charlotte, their front line, you know, it's it was already quite weak to start the season, but without Haywood really being that, you know, that concrete, that rock in the in a small forward position. Now you're relying on a lot of PJ Washington. You need a lot out of Miles Bridges, who we've spoken about has been really solid this season. But um, can he get it done in a playoff scenario, a play-in scenario? Uh, he's been out for the last week or two. He just came back in this game today as well. So we hope that he's good to go. Um, yeah, once you get out of sight of those two, which aren't that tall, you're, you're seeing a lot of Cody Zeller and Biombo and I think if I'm Sabonis, I'm licking my lips at that thinking I'm going to be able to go to work all game long on that matchup. So I would lean towards Indiana just because they, I think they've got the, the biggest advantage on their their strongest player. Um, X factor is definitely um, Lamelo Ball. If Lamelo, you know, can captivate his team and the fans, obviously them not being at home is a bit disappointing because you know they've they've been one of the funnest teams to watch when playing at Charlotte just because of their their commentators and. They just haven't been a relevant team in a long time. I feel like Indiana are kind of on the opposite end where it's all kind of fallen apart a little bit. There's unrest between the coach and, you know, the the players and the coaching staff. That there's, there's been reports of, you know, them not getting along very well and everyone not happy with their role. And a lot of that happens with just the fact that they've been losing and, and they're missing two critical players. Like Turner's been huge for them this year. And since they lost him, it's been it's been obvious that they're they're defensively struggling big time. And Brogdon, both of us, you know, we really like him and his poise yeah. in in clutch situations. He's been good in the playoffs previously. So if he does play, that's a huge boost for Indiana, definitely. But <laughs> I, I, he hasn't been anywhere near the court really in the last three weeks. So it would be a lot for him to come up for just one game and kill that. But for me, I'll, I'll go with the safe bet and go for Indiana. I can, yeah, I hope Charlotte do something great and I hope LaMelo Ball has a really big impact on this game. But I think Sabonis is the deciding factor in this one. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you look at these playing games and you think, oh, you know, when it's, you know, single elimination or potentially a second chance if you're a seven or eight seed, you do kind of, well, I imagine that these games are going to be playoff-like. Uh, hard to get a basket. Mm. Refs will swallow their whistle. You know, they want to see, they want to let, you know, the, basically the guys play. So, um, when it's that type of situation, I think Charlotte have more guys that can get a bucket out of nothing. Uh, I, I, I really do. And, a lot, and of shooting. a lot of shooting. And uh, I think they match up with Indiana really well. And I think they could even withstand if they say, look, Sabonis is going to feast, but we're not going to let him play make. He can score and rebound, but we're yeah. not going to let him assist and really run the show. If they can do that, I think they're in with a really good shot because then they just have too many guys themselves. I mean, you you mentioned a lot of them, but a, a, a couple of guys I think you you didn't mention for Charlotte is um, Devonte Graham's back. He's at least a guy that can you know at least hold the fort uh, and and definitely get hot, get hot from deep. Absolutely. And then you also have Malik Monk can get hot from deep as well in a single mm. elimination game. Who knows what you get from him? Could you get 20 points and, you know, four threes and some highlight plays and I, I did, he could really spark him. And then of course the obvious one you said was, was Lamello. I know he's sort of been very on and off with his shooting since being back. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk that he's been rushed back from his wrist and he's not a hundred percent and that wouldn't surprise me, but I mean, a lot of guys aren't a hundred percent this year. Anyway, they've just played a, a grueling 72 game schedule and you know, mm-hmm. not, no one's going to be healthy. Everyone's battling, dealing with something. Um, he's, He's young. He'll be right. Yeah, exactly. So I just think in a, in a one game sort of scenario, um, I, I lean towards a team that have more guys that can get hot. And gosh, I actually hope Levert plays. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what his injury was, but yeah, it was basically a, a must win for the Pacers today. And he only played 20 something minutes, uh, if that. So um, exited the game with some sort of injury. So again, hopefully he's back to to make it some sort of contest. Because I think if Brogdon and Levert are out and it's just Sabonis, well, now that's looking a bit grim for, for the Pacers. But Man. 
how Nate, how you much? Twenty assists from McConnell. Oh, jeez, won't you? Um, <laughs> my my kind of question here as well is uh, to sort of further off what I was saying with these games sort of being you know very playoff like and mm. tough to get buckets, but neither of these two teams have played defense at all this season. Maybe the paces are harsh on the paces until the you know Turner got injured. But since Turner got injured, that defense is an afterthought for the paces. They just play run and gun, and you know their games are in the you know two seventies total range. They put up one forty themselves and win by ten, or you know it's a close one. So I I actually have no idea how to read the style of how this game will go. What if it's just a shootout and it's who can make more? I, I don't know. Both, you, yeah, you definitely speak about some of the the shooting that Charlotte has, and they play a very spread out game, and they do shoot a lot of threes. They rely a lot on on their point guards to to create shots for their wings. And I think Indiana, when they're at their best, they do the same with guys like Doug McDermott and Good Justin point. Holiday. If they're if they're able to get a dozen each, then they become you know a tough team to beat. But if they're not able to get anything, if the well is dry for those three point shooters then yeah it all kind of comes down to can Sabonis carry us the whole way I think it'll it'll be a dogged game because Charlotte you know they've lost five in a row there you might say they're due you know to go off and have have a big game and shoot the ball yeah. really really well but on the other hand you know if it does become a half court game a grinded out game the only kind of guy who who from Charlotte who I think is is too hard to stay in front of would be Rosier. You know, he's a guy who can get into the paint and can can be a mismatch for anyone. It'll it'll be an interesting game. That'll want to be a fun one to watch. Like you said, this team's not playing not playing a lot of defense lately. So be a lot a lot of scoring hopefully and you know the East is wide open. You know, it's if we transition over to the seventh and eighth game, you know, whoever loses that game, they'll be they won't want to see the winner of the the ninth, tenth. I think It'll be a little bit different in the West. Whoever loses the 7th, 8th in the West will be thinking, yeah, we got this. Yep. In the East, it feels like, you know, Charlotte, they were ahead of Boston basically the whole season in record. You know, they might not be now, but they've been as good as Boston all season long. And I don't think you can debate that, even with Washington as well. Yeah, 100%. Everything you say is, is spot on there. And and now that we go into sort of that 7-8. So for the record, I've got Charlotte and Darcy has the paces. Um, but obviously mm-hmm. that's that's assuming that Levert plays. Uh, I think you'd probably switch your pick if you find out both Levert and Brogdon are out. Maybe I've got some some hard in TJ. Maybe TJ okay, is a big, big time player. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he's going to stick with it. Put his faith in Dougie McBuckets and uh, TJ McConnell to, to get it done. And his boy O'Shea Brissett as well that you mentioned Ooh, before yeah. and you've, you've taken had, as a lock. Had a 30 piece. Yes. 30 piece today with five threes. He's, that's, he's hot. That's very impressive. <laughs> um, so Washington, Boston, man. Uh, I sort of look at this game and go, nah, Boston are just so tragic. that They've been so bad, especially the second half of the season. Uh, Time Lord's been out recently. Tristan Thompson's been out recently. Uh, not that Washington have, you know, a, a lot of good big men, but, I mean, Gafford's been great for him since coming across from the Bulls, so he's at least someone they need to worry about. Yeah. Robin Lopez off the bench. The Boston need to play a bit of taco just to have some sort of big man out there. Otherwise, because if you watched uh, a Maybe. bit of today's game between Charlotte and the Wizards, um, Robin Lopez cooked Charlotte's second unit. He, yeah. he had a great game off the bench. So he's definitely someone to worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, old, the old reliable sky hook that he loves going to. So it's it's tough to defend. Um, but yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. I, I have to go with Washington. I mean, how do you bet against Russ and, and and pick against him when he's just a psycho and in some sort of mood to, you know, not ref- well, basically if you remember how shit they were to start the season and some, something clicked mm-hmm. in February, March, it was all just, his fault. he just refused to, to go down after the horrendous start to, to the season. So it, gosh, the, the way he's been tracking and you can say, Oh, he's just a numbers guy and a stats guy. But I heard somewhere today that uh, 75% of the wins that Russ has, he's got a triple-double. Like, he's not just getting triple-doubles and the team's losing. It's what- definitely true that, you know, he he's a winning player. You know, those triple-doubles, like, he doesn't just... He might, you know, he might stat hunt at times. But when you look at the way that he dominates the game, it's hard to believe that, you know, Campbell Walker and Marcus Smart are going to, you know, define the tempo of the game and kind of control what happens. I feels like 
feels like every time you watch Russ in these playoff scenarios, it's all on his terms, you know, whether it's a bad shot or at the clutch moment, he makes a great decision and gets a steal or he makes a bad decision and throws the ball away. It's all kind of up to him. Like he's not going to put the game in anyone else's hands. He's going to take it, you know, take it for himself and win or lose. He's going to leave it all out there on the floor. It's basically his, he's been his MO his whole career. Did you see the Pacers game uh, the Wizards played? Uh, I think it was might have been a week, 10 days ago. Russ was about mm. to take a terrible shot in overtime, I think it was. Gets fouled, knocks down both free throws, and then blocks the, gets a game-winning block So um, for, for the Wizards mm. to just get a huge win. So I think Scotty Brooks should be, like, uh, thanking Westbrook, you know, a lot um, because it, it was, he was probably on the hot seat before they sort of took off here in this second half of the season. Um, the the sure. other thing I think got to be worried about with just the Boston side is the other day against the Cavs was almost must win and they somehow lose to the Cavs by, I don't think it was double digits, but they lost by eight or nine. And it was just like, how? Everyone's been taking care of business against the Cavs and they face Boston. They go, okay, this is a win. And I mentioned it before at the start as well when speaking about, you know, these other teams and tanking and OKC getting the win against the tanking Clippers today. And OKC got a win, you know, two or three weeks ago against a a Boston team in Boston, right? And OKC have been trying to lose since the All-Star break. They told Al Horford, go home. They told, you know, yeah. um, SGA, you've, you're, you're, you're injured, stay home. Even though I don't think Shea is injured, but that's fine. Uh, Dort has barely been playing. He's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, you, you know, it's just, it's it's hard to defend, uh, you know, Boston and just say, oh, they've been unfortunate with injuries and whatnot. It's like, when times get tough, I think they they, they hide. I, I, I don't think they're a team that can overcome adversity very well. And yeah, I'm definitely not putting money on them to, to beat this Wizards team. Yeah, I think you're right. Washington playing some of their best ball. You know, Beal, you know, he's had a bit of um, bit of a scare with that hammy, but he looks like he's playing through it. So I don't I don't really feel there's any way that they can stop this momentum because the momentum's been pushing the wrong way against Boston. It feels like the whole season. Yeah. And the, there's some bad losses and bad losses, and now, you know, we've seen a couple of the worst losses of the season for them. Just emotionally, like. They're out of it. You know, Jalen's gone down. He's their number two guy. Kemba, he's been in their lineup all season long. And uh, can you, I'm not going to bet that or expect that he's going to come out and all of a sudden be the best player on the floor and dominate and be an all star. Like, I like Kemba, but I just don't think it's going to happen against, against Beal and Westbrook, who are just absolute dogs. Um, Marcus Smart, you know, he's the heart and soul of this team. He's the type of guy who I expect to come out and will, you know, fight. Westbrook probably like literally get into a fight with him to win the game. He's probably the only guy with absolute ticker that's not going to let this Boston team go down. But when you just look top to bottom, they just don't have the talent, you know, unless, unless Tatum's able to go to, you know, unworldly stuff from Tatum and go put up 60 again. You might need to. There's there's any way. Yeah. With no, with no scoring in the front court, Fournier's basically been the, the, the definition of hit and miss since he arrived at their team. And who knows what you're going to get at Kemba in this game. So just way too many question marks for me or anyone in the right mind to pick, to pick Boston in this one. Dangerous guys for, for Washington as well. Like um, Ish Smith has been playing well lately and Bertans is looking to find a bit of range. So in general, the momentum and all the kind of positive things are, are coming out of Washington and, and they're not going well in Boston. Yeah, good, and good pick on the unders for Boston for the season as well. I just think they, mm. they needed some more assurity in that front line. As as good as Robert Williams has been, it's it's a bit of a mess. I think they made a mistake by just letting Haywood go for a trade exception. I think if they had their time over again, they mm. should have probably found a way to try and uh, you know do the deal with the Pacers and try and get Turner back. And even if it required them giving up another piece or some sort of asset to sweeten the pot, I think Turner would be massive for this team. Um, and, and I'd have a lot more confidence in him in, you know, s- certain matchups. And especially this one against the Wizards, I'd feel much better about it because they have clear protection at the rim and, uh, you know, a pretty clear advantage. But it doesn't really matter that now that Washington, you know, especially in this matchup, that their their weakness is probably the big man spot if you look at all their positions. Um, if you just look at Boston, who, who would who would could could defend a guy like Hachimura like Washington have too many guys 
It, what if Garrison Matthew gets hot and hits two or three threes? Like who, who, who does Boston have outside of, as you say, Kemba Smart, Fournier Tatum that could just give him a spark, give him anything? I don't know if Langford's doing anything. Yeah. I mean, Neesmith's been good, but he's a rookie. Neesmith's probably the only guy. Yeah, he's probably the only guy playing well lately. Nothing from Grant Williams lately. Nothing. Carson Edwards? Brad Stevens as well. He's been known to in previous playoff seasons to really shorten that rotation. Like he doesn't trust those guys, and I bet you he won't put them on. Like he'll run Kemba and he'll run Smart into the ground if he has to, even if they're playing terribly. You know, like the, I think that's just the way that his subbing rotation does go. So, and I reckon that could hurt them because if they're not playing well, then this game could get away from them quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had a guy like Jeff Teague that they signed in the offseason and then they quickly realized, well, this isn't going to work. So did they trade him to Milwaukee or buy him out? There was some sort of thing like that. Can't remember the mm-hmm. exact reasoning. But yeah, as you say, they, they have no one behind Cameron Smart. So I expect them to play, you know, 40 minutes plus. They, they need to pray for a good game from Fournier, I think. That's probably their best bet, you know, for him to get hot, give him 20 and then keep him in the game and hope Tatum can win it down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even Chandler Hutchinson, well, he's been okay since coming across as well. I like him. He's just another athletic forward. Like, there's, there's no harm in if, having a guy like that out there. If Westbrook has his way, he can just get all these guys involved. And, yeah, there's so, so much good energy coming from from them at the moment. It's, it's tough to go by them in this big. Yeah, and if I don't think Washington will look ahead, but if you want to look ahead, I think Westbrook would really like to get that seventh seed and have a first round against Brooklyn and KD. Like, tell me he's not licking his lips yeah. going up against uh, KD and Harden in that Three. first round. Like, geez. 100%. He'd be viewing it as a three-on-one, me against the world, time to drop 50. Definitely. And if anyone had noticed throughout the regular season, Washington kind of match up okay with Brooklyn. I know it's a regular season and Brooklyn was still sort of figuring out their stuff with defense, but um, they beat him two out of three times, I'm pretty sure. So they beat him at home to start the season. Then they beat him in that crazy game in Washington where, you know, Matthews intercepted it, threw it to Russ, he hit the three. Um, and then I think they, they lost the, the, the third game in, in Brooklyn. But still, there's something about that that you, you couldn't rule out the Wizards. They would make a series of it. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure. pretty sure Brooklyn would be able to get by it. But, boy, it, it would be a tough one, that's for sure. And, and Harden, his teammate from last year, who just, you know, abandoned yes. him, basically. So, yeah. A, a lot of storylines in that matchup. So many axes to grind. Westbrook, his whole career, hilarious. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Um, so that's uh, so we, we both have Washington for that, yeah. Just to confirm. For sure. Okay. Can't pick Boston. I'm okay. sorry to my Boston fans out there. Just can't do it. Yeah. No, I can't do it. All right. To the West. This this is where things actually get get pretty good. I, I'm really looking forward to even the the Spurs Memphis one that will kick things off. So. Uh, because Memphis lost today, uh, they basically fall into ninth. The Spurs have been 10th for, gosh, I think it's been a, a lock that they would finish the 10th seed for the last, maybe, not week, but at least last few days. I think the, was it uh, the Pels or Sacramento got knocked out of contention? It was one of those two teams. The, I think the it was Pels, the Pels. Pels. Yeah, the, the Pels. The Pels and Sacramento finished on the same record. And, Interesting. You know, they're only... They were only two games behind the Spurs. So, like, they only had to get their act together just a little bit, the Pelicans, and they would have been in this playing tournament. It's really been a failure season for them. We're not talking about teams that didn't make it, but it's been a failure season for them big time. Yeah. Do, do you think, just just the only tangent I'll take on, on that, on these Pels, do you think they just decided to mail in the season? Because how come suddenly Ingram was injured, Adams was injured, Zion was injured, just suddenly out of the blue? When it felt like they were pushing mm-hmm. and going to make, you know, one last run, did they look and go, oh, we're not going to catch the Spurs and just mail it in? Because it, it came out of nowhere, the Zion injury. I, I didn't see anything about that. They played the Golden State was... twice. They split that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. like, And then suddenly, you know, a few games later, it was like all three of those guys dropped like flies. Really bizarre. I think they maybe they didn't want to get caught out in a playoff game. You know, you think you think any playoff game, any playing game would be good reps for those guys. You know, getting into a in an elimination scenario. But nah, it the energy around that team, they look like they're ready for a change. I think I think there's going to be a big shakeup, whether it's trade one of their superstar players or get rid of the coach because 
it just feels like they kind of they did it did feel like they they gave up and they're, they're ready to head in a different direction so the season won't really matter in the in the context of the the future of their franchise so yeah yeah Lonzo Ball they restricted were, free agent this offseason as well so interesting to see for them yep huge move for them uh, okay so Spurs Memphis uh where, where do you sit on this game um tough to say I think yeah. You know, throughout from the body of work I've seen during the season, I think Memphis would be a safe pick here. Okay. You know, they're at home. They've got they've got all their guys. You know, Jaron Jackson has been actually put up a couple of decent games since he's been back. Only a couple of weeks, but he has, he has performed when he's been out on the floor. He had a few three-pointers. Spurs, you know, they, they're they're a consistent team, but they're not a they're not a deep team. You know, we we know that they we know who they go to down the stretch and it's DeMar DeRozan one, DeMar DeRozan two, and DeMar DeRozan three. He's their guy in the mid-range getting jump shots off when it's close. So I think when the Spurs are at their best, they're getting something out of out of Podal in the middle and they're um they're getting some some points from DeJounte Murray and um Derek White. Is Derek White injured at the moment? Good he question. Playing? He is injured. I'm just not sure if he's gonna be back for this for this game. Alonnie Walker's been starting he's- a lot. That's right, and Walker's been been scoring the ball well because because yeah. Derek White was shooting the three ball really well for a little stretch there, and really the, well about three three quarters or so through the season. But uh, they're going to need to rely if he's out. They're going to need to rely on Murray. Murray's going to have to put up at least twenty points in this game. He's going to have to basically match Jar Morant for for output points wise if he wants to wants to get the Spurs over the hump in this one. Um, and you know, what the big strength about San Antonio outside of those guys in the in the starting lineup is. You know, their they're six, seven, eight rotation, their three-point shooting, their veterans off the bench. Rudy Gay needs to be able to get him a dozen. Paddy Mills needs to be able to come in and hit a few threes. Um, and they need probably one more guy to step up, you know, in their, Vassell in their or rotation. No? I don't know. Vassell, I would like to see some minutes for him for sure. See if, if he hits, if he knocks down a, a three or two, then keep him out there. Um, obviously, uh, if he's starting, it's a different story, but they need points out of, out of Lonnie Walker. And yeah, DeRozan, you know, he'll, I, I can almost guarantee DeRozan will get them 20 to 25 points, but will he be able to come through in the fourth quarter when the game's basically on the line? I'm sure he'll be able to get a good shot off, but you know, his history is, is very, you know, there's a lot more down than up with his, his clutch history in playoff games. You know, he's been in a lot of playoff games. He's got a lot of experience, but I don't know how much he can, you can rely on him to to kind of bring you home in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. If you know if his shot's not falling or he's a bit out of it mentally, then the Spurs might just might just collapse a little bit. But you know, there's definitely a window here. It's not as clear cut as would you think. I'd expect this game to be very very close. Even if even if Memphis do lead from start to finish, I don't feel like it's going to be a blowout at all. Where where do you stand on it? Yeah, I I actually fall more towards that 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 this is a this is a dangerous situation for Memphis. Uh, anything can happen. Gosh, you mentioned a few names there. Um, you know, the, of guys that could get hot. Be it a, a Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, Lonnie Walker. Um, what if Keldon Johnson just gives them twenty as well and, and really chips in? Mm. Um, I think the the main thing there that you said that I, I really agree with is Pirtle is probably going to need to play 40 minutes. I, I don't trust Drew Eubanks okay. to come in and, and give him reliable backup. Uh, I don't know how good Gorgie Jang's looked. I haven't really tuned into a lot of Spurs games since they acquired him. I don't think he's been that good because if he was... Re- revenge pop- game? Oh, geez, that's Revenge a stretch. I mean, it's, it's a good point. It's, that's a great point. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, Gorgie and uh, Pop have been in, uh, you know, the office going through how Memphis play for the past, you know, four days. Um, so, no, I that's a good point. I didn't think about the revenge game, but not from Gorgie. Uh, Val, I mean, this Val's could be famous last so well. words, but I, I don't think, yeah, Gorgie can can give him too much. I, I think it's, it's a case of Memphis having a bit too much. As much as I think, mm. you know, Memphis have a ceiling. Uh, given the, the the type of guys they have. God, I was thinking about it watching the game. If Memphis had just one perimeter scorer, just just any just Lou Will, shooter. Jordan Clarkson type today, that they could have stolen that because as, as Dylan mm-hmm. Brooks was phenomenal, as we've spoken about, to to bring him back. And when Brooks fouled out, they were it was either tied or they were down two when Brooks fouled out halfway through the fourth. Right there. 
And then and then yeah. Steph kind of took over down the stretch and Jar was I thought Jar sucked today. He was awful. Um he struggled. Yeah. They put they put Draymond on him and Draymond does the Draymond stuff where he sort of gets in your head and he'll he'll take one step yeah. out to the three-point line, but you know he's never gonna fully close out. So you second guess yourself and and then you drive to the rim and Draymond's verticality and defense is smart and he rarely gets his body in a wrong position. So Jar can't really use his athleticism or speed to to trick Draymond because mm-hmm. if anything. Draymond's, you know, the smartest defensive player out there. So he knows just about how to defend everyone from a six foot guard to, you know, a seven footer like Embiid. Draymond, Draymond has the tools of the trade to literally guard one, two, five or, or get as close to it as you can. So he made life so difficult on Jar. I think Jar does have a bounce back, but uh, gosh, <laughs> These 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 single elimination games, Dust, they scare me because all it takes think, is all it takes is one person to get mm, hot. It, that's all if, it takes, and it just swings momentum completely. Morant hits his first couple of threes, and then the team starts to feel good about themselves. Maybe Kyle Anderson hits one or two, and then you know they, Jaron Jackson comes on and hits one, and then Memphis, you know they they look like a good strong offensive team, but. On the other hand, you know, DeJounte Murray has proved this season that he's a real tough defensive point guard. So that's going to be a, a hell of a matchup of, of young athletic point guards there in that one. And uh, you expect that Valanciunas will be, will be eating all night long. But, Definitely. you know, if, if, Podal, if Podal can kind of hold his own and, and get a block here and there and a couple of rebounds and kind of just stay on the court without fouling and then the, close, the tighter and tighter that this game gets, you know, the pressure will, will potentially start to get to Memphis because... The Spurs, you know, no one expects anything out of them in this season. You know, Memphis, they're a team that has high expectations of themselves. They expect to be in the eighth seed. And, you know, they were knocked out of the play-in last year. So, they've, you know, they really don't want it to happen again. But that's that's when the pressure, you know, in the fourth quarter might just really, really seep in. I think I will go with Memphis to pick to win this game. But, yeah, like you said, I, I'd be betting that it's very, very close. And it comes down to basically the last shot. Yeah, and if if look, uh, I'm very reluctant to take Memphis, but I probably will take him in the end. Uh, I think they they play much better as an underdog on the road. Uh, mm. The record reflects that. Yeah. Um, so kind of just the the situation where they're at home, they're expected to win. Uh, gosh, that plays perfectly into San Antonio's hands because I mean they're another team that Great. that have had a phenomenal year in terms of road record. So they. Uh, just had it a second ago, accidentally exited out of the app. Not just to, 19, just to, 19 and 17 on the road for the yep, Spurs. There you 20 go. 20 and 16 on the road for Memphis. That's great. Yeah. Whereas Memphis are really uh, barely 500 at home. Oh, they are 500 at home. And uh, the Spurs are way under, they're eight games under 500 at home. So it suits the Spurs to a T that, you know, they can, they can go into Memphis and play the underdog role. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, if there's any coach that could inspire his troops to, to really have just a, a hell of a one game performance, it, it's probably pops a good shout. Um, there has been a little bit I'm of rivalry awesome. between these two teams in the past, you know, yeah. of, the, of Spurs, Memphis, where it be, you know, Conley and Gasol and Zebo up against, uh, you know, Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, the old days, even a little bit of Aldridge. Mm-hmm. These two teams have played each other in the playoffs. It feels like more often than not. So the division... Division rivals, yeah. You know, Memphis, they've been at, at the closet, kind of. They've been the the underachievers of the of the conference. You know, the Mavericks, Houston, and and the Spurs obviously have that that Texas blood in them. But Memphis, they're right part of that. And to me, that's by far and away the strongest conference in the league. Sorry, the strongest division in the league. You know, I think that's those teams are consistently strong, and and Memphis has shown that they're no easy out as well. Yeah. Uh, so to sort of further the point, when when Orlando have sort of been favourites, uh, sorry, Memphis mm. have been favourites. They lost they lost to Orlando recently. Obviously, the Cole Anthony game winner. Uh, yeah. They then lost to the Pistons, who were tanking by fourteen wow. points only only ten days ago. So this is obviously you know very still very important time. I think any game in the month of May you should take serious. Um, you know, yep. leading into this this stretch period, and to to lose by fourteen to a Pistons team that had a starting lineup of Frank Jackson, Corey hmm. Joseph, Isaiah Stewart, Sekou Dumboya, and Sadiq Bay, mm-hmm. and Memphis had everyone. <laughs> Memphis played everyone, and they lost by fourteen. 
So that, that stuff is hard to explain. Uh, I get sometimes you can just have an off night. There's a lot of games in the NBA, but again, it was May. It's, it's an important time. Memphis would have been looking at the schedule and go, poor boy, maybe we can really pip, uh, you know, Golden State and, and sneak into that eighth spot. Um, mm-hmm. And so that to have that sort of male performance, that's, that's, not, that's not good. That doesn't bode well. They were heavy favorites, uh, you know, expected to do the job against a team that was tanking. And there's two examples with Orlando and Detroit. So it does worry me a lot, but... Yeah, I, th- I think settling on Memphis is is probably the smart play if you're looking at it from just a betting perspective or going with what you... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the Spurs are 10th seed for a reason, right? They're not very good, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is worrying. I'm, I don't feel good about it at all. Um, so yeah, probably have to settle on settle on Memphis. I'm down with that. If if we move on to the other game, that's the juiciest game That's of them it. all in the play-in. That's this it. is why they created the play-in game. Yes. Can you believe it? The Lakers weren't a, weren't a top six seed. I know they had injuries. I know that they had a little bit of COVID. And they obviously want to take it very, very relaxed. We're trying to bring in, bring back Davis early or bring back LeBron early. But they're in the seventh seed. Portland got ahead of them. Dallas got ahead of them. All three of those teams were even on wins, by the way, for you fans listening out there. Because of the three-way head-to-head, the Mavericks grab that fifth seed, Portland grab the sixth seed, and then the Lakers fall into a one-game play-in with the Warriors, which is very interesting because these are actually the two hottest teams in the league in the last 10 days. Yes. So the Warriors won six in a row now, and the Lakers, since Davis come back, they've won five in a row. So with this matchup head-to-head, it's so juicy because we know in a one-game scenario just how deadly Steph is, and you know it doesn't matter how many, you know it doesn't matter how many good players you got on your team if he's willing to put all those shots up, put up twenty-two three-pointers. If he's going to do that again, then he could just hit a couple and really start to make it a bit nervy for the Lakers. But for me, it's just way too big a mismatch. You know, like the Lakers could be a one seed. That's how good their lineup is. They've got yeah. Schroeder back in the lineup. They've got LeBron. They've got Anthony Davis. And then who's the number two man for Golden State? It's Wiggins. So unless Wiggins plays like an all-star that, you know, I guess people were hoping and thought he might have been when he was taken with the number one pick. But, you know, Cleveland and the front office and LeBron James himself did not think that (laughs) Andrew Wiggins was a superstar and that's why they traded him for Kevin Love. So he's the only way, I think. Wiggins, if he has a huge game, it's the only way the Warriors can, um, can beat the Lakers for me. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, sorry to give a boring answer and you know agree with Dust, but yeah, it's it's the Lakers. I'm not, I'm not going to be dumb here. I know I've been dumb in the past and you know drunk too much of the Golden State Kool Aid, but you, you've got to look at it here. The Lakers are fully healthy. Um, their their key advantage, obviously, be rebounds and obviously the big men having a drum and Davis front line. That's that's way too that's much. Good defense. That's uh, they, like it, exactly. Defense. They've- They've got guards to chase Curry all game long. They're yep. going to double team him. Like all these other Golden State guys, they're all going to be wide open. And it's going to be like, go ahead, beat us, Jordan Poole. Beat us, Wiggins. You know, shoot some threes, Draymond. Mulder, shoot some threes, Bazemore. Have as many as you want. Like <laughs> this is the playoffs. You know, like Lakers are fine with those guys shooting the ball. Yeah, exactly. So if they don't have the, you know, inside dominance, you know, offense won't be an issue. They'll get great looks. Uh and on top of that, they'll have so many second chance opportunities with just having those big men. So I think Drummond and, and Davis should feast on the boards. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, the, the only caveat, and I know I don't like saying this because I don't believe it will happen, but um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Wiggins there needing to absolutely go off. Well, we, we it's, did. He's been good lately. We did. We did see, did you see how well he played against Phoenix? So he had 38 he points. Awesome. Uh Phoenix were pushing hard in that game as well. If anyone watched it, Phoenix, it wasn't mm. a mailing game. One seed was still up for grabs in the West. Uh, Phoenix were was, really pushing. Was, Steph had a bad game. Cool. Steph, Steph, I think, yeah. had Chris 20. Chris Paul and Wiggins. Yeah, exactly. So Steph had 22 or something, shot really bad from the field, you know, less than 50% and couldn't get anything going. And it was, as Dale says, a battle of Chris Paul versus Andrew Wiggins. And, and Wiggins won the battle. He was phenomenal, 38 points and... You know, he shot the ball at a high clip and it, it was super efficient. And it was just like, whoa, if, if we got this even one in every five games, one in every 10 games from yeah. Wiggins, we would look at him so differently. 
but you know, mm. more often than not, he'll he'll disappear and be in the shadows. So if we can get that more consistently, then they could be a threat. And again, look, it's it's not a one-off type scenario that we've been speaking about with a few of these other games because the loser gets a second yeah. chance. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I, I, think- almost, I almost think that the team that is eighth is has a better situation. I don't know about you, but if if you're the Lakers in the Golden State, just in terms of matchup perspective, if you think, you know, uh, no matter what happens, I'm definitely going to be in the playoffs. So, you, you know, you beat whoever wins the 9-10 game. Would you mm-hmm. rather face Utah or Phoenix? So would you rather the seven well, or, or eight seed is basically what I'm saying. That's a good question. Like looking forward, I think it's interesting, you know, when you think, did were the Lakers actually happy to become seventh? Because now they end up, you know, playing against a Phoenix team that actually is probably the the best matchup for them. You know, when you talk about the Jazz, Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, I think when it when it comes to the Lakers and their their strength on the interior and their force with with James and and Davis, I think that's probably the only team that Phoenix looked very vulnerable against. And, you know, p- people can look at the game that only happened a week ago where, you know, Davis was there, LeBron wasn't, and Davis tore Phoenix basically to shreds. He had a huge 40-point game in Staples Center, and they, they took care of Phoenix quite quite easily. But I just think it puts a lot of pressure on DeAndre Ayton, you know, not just to be a rim runner and a screen setter and a rebounder. Like, he's going to have to defend two of the best players in the league. And, you know, Drummond's going to be in there banging against him as well. You know, like Phoenix, the big question mark with them is with their front line. So it's interesting, you know, because I'm not sure how much you can read into it. You know, are the Lakers really that calculated that they went for the seventh seed just to get Phoenix instead of potentially running into Utah or the Clippers? So I think, yeah, the matchup does work out better. They definitely would rather play Phoenix if okay. I'm LA. You know, if you're if you're Golden State, I think you you potentially want to see Utah. Maybe I but, agree. You know, I think we, I think we both think that that the Lakers will get this win done, and yeah, they'll be in a nice spot if they play Phoenix in the first round. It could be, you know, people will be talking about upsets before that series even starts. Yeah, a hundred percent. I kind of just want the Lakers to tank it and lose this game, then obviously win the next game, and then get get back onto the the Clippers side of the bracket, so they can still play the Clippers potentially in the, in the second round, just for a bit of payback, just for how blatant that that tanking was, just the fact they didn't want any part of that, you know, that side of the bracket. So. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. The reason Darcy and I haven't really touched too much on this Lakers Golden State game is it's we we think it's pretty clear cut. Uh, it's it's really hard to go past the Lakers because they they don't need everything to go right for them to win this game. They they barely need a lot to go right. Their, their defense is so reliable, it's so solid. Whereas Golden State, as you know, Darcy sort of mentioned with the secondary players and outside of Curry and Draymond getting all these looks and you know all these other role players. It's you need a perfect night from just about every single role player. You need Toscano Anderson mm. to be a beast and, you know, yeah. have good backup minutes because we haven't seen Pas- Eric Pascal in ages. So when Draymond's yeah. off the court, Looney which I don't reckon he will be. Lo- yeah, Looney yeah. needs to play out of his skin, um, you know, really just play <laughs> solid defense at the rim, get get every rebound in sight. Um and you know, just just really bang bodies with with Drummond. And uh, the thing is that you don't get a, well. I'm not sure if Gasol will feature a lot in this game. Um, it's not really the matchup for him, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, it just just feels like the Lakers barely need anything to go right, uh, but the Golden State need everything for for them to even have a, a sniff at winning. So uh, look, similar to what you know, our guest from last week on the last pod, Benji said, it's still an exciting proposition to have a Lakers Golden State and a LeBron v Steph and all the, the storylines that come out of that. And look, there there is potential oh, sure. that Steph just has a out-of-body experience the way he's been playing and he drops 50-plus <laughs> and, you know, Golden State can make a game out of it. Um, because if, we if talk about... I'll just say, well, the last thing, we talk about the yeah, defenders guys. that the Lakers have, but... Mm. If Steph has 50, if Steph has fifty, yeah, <laughs> how how does that still 
it, it kind of rubs it out. If, if Steph gets, gets hot or he doesn't even really need to get hot, but if Steph can shoot a, a decent clip from the field, close 40, 50%, he doesn't need to shoot amazingly. But if, if he's at least consistent drawing fouls, getting to the rim, he has changed up his game a lot. You see how he uses his body. When teams are playing him for the three, mm-hmm. he always seems to find a way to cut back door or get a guy on his back for someone to pass in the ball and he can get off a nice little floater. He had about four or five of them this morning, uses a backboard, changes up his game and can get to the rim. So clever. So he's he's Crafty. a smart enough guy that, you know, just uh, it, it's it's a lot easier said than done to be able to stop Steph. So um, mm. I, I think it is likely, as you say, they will double team him. But uh, still, I mean, Steph only needs to see one go in and he thinks he's on fire. So it's it's still a dangerous proposition, shouldn't be ruled out. But yeah, the the, the Lakers side of things, uh, LeBron's potentially motivated. And if anything, the ankle has given him some rest that he probably wasn't expecting to have because you, you saw how he was motivated to play every single game. And, you know, Davis was the one who wasn't playing back-to-backs for, for majority of this season before he got injured. LeBron was. So the ankle injury, blessing in the skies in terms of rest for LeBron. So I think he's there's no chance he's going to let Golden State get get past, but still, there's the one percenter, and that's Steph Curry. So that just has to be mentioned for sure, mate. Whenever whenever he gets hot, the if he's able to hit a couple of threes in a row, then that's when his team is to capitalize. He hits a couple of threes, that means they're going to double team. Then it's going to he's going to make the right play. He's going to make the extra pass, and those those bench guys, those not so big names on the wings, need to knock down a few threes in a row, get some momentum. They've had some success, the Warriors, with the small ball lineups that they've been going to. You know, they've been going real small, all guards, all switchable wings, who can shoot the three. And if they can knock them down, then they can keep the Lakers close. And yeah, if you know, if they could get into a fourth quarter where they're really, really close, then then they genuinely, you know, the Warriors might have a chance. You know, if they can get to that fourth quarter, and it's just a matter of can Steph do basically the impossible and. I'd love to see him even, you know, go right to the wire, win or lose, if he can if he can turn it down to one of the last minutes or two, that'd be that'd be absolutely phenomenal. But um now the Lakers they're they're a scary, scary prospect going into the playoffs. They look healthy. It's yeah, for them to have their whole roster right now and you know, it's only been one or two games that they played together, the last two, but they're all there, you know, and we talked about it so much in the preseason pods. They've put on paper, they've put together a championship level team with with depth, with a lot of size and obviously two superstars. So yeah, very, very scary times for we we haven't even mentioned Dennis Schroeder as well. He's another option for the Lakers. So like it, we he was he's out the last awesome. two weeks with, you know, COVID, but now he's back as well. And it's 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 uh yeah, it's it's good timing for the Lakers. Things seem to be uh, clicking and, and heading in the right direction. I know they let go. And if they beat Portland, they probably wouldn't have even been in a playing game because they would have uh, won the head to head. So that Portland game was crucial. Was it a week ago? Mm. Um, so we yeah. might not have even seen this scenario uh, if they were they're, able to get that win. Their side of the bracket, you know, we talk, I spoke briefly on, you know, how they would probably be favored in a series against Phoenix. Then you end up playing the winner of, of Denver and Portland. Portland. And the Lakers know that they can beat both of those teams for sure. Definitely. So I would not be surprised if we do see the Lakers back in the um, the conference finals. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It's true. One couple of big games coming up Wednesday and Thursday. It's um it's gonna be a heck of a lot of fun. And I think no matter what you think about whether it's fair or not that they're doing the playing games, everyone will have a great time watching these and to see teams playing a knockout kind of one game scenario it's like a game seven scenario and it's always the best part of the playoffs of game seven so i'm very interested to see what um what these games will will turn out like it yeah that's uh that's a great point i know a lot of people have said oh you know the as you say the the playing it's 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 really you know not the best thing for the game and they should have just kept it the way it was and well you know how you know how to stop them from continuing to do the playing moving forward don't watch the games but people are going to watch these games. Yeah. They're going to tune in. They're going to ESPN, yeah. NBA. They're going to see the ratings. They're going to, and they're going to go and they're going to see the money and revenue. And they're going to go, why would we not have this 
next year and the year after and the year after. So, you know, that's, that's unfortunately the reality that people are going to have to live with. Uh, I know you made a really good point before the pod. Um, did you want to quickly touch on that? Your, your thinking behind the, the plane? Oh, well, it was, I kind of didn't really notice this until I looked up the games yesterday on Sunday, our time yeah. before the Monday games, last games of the season, there was a lot of movement that could potentially have happened in the standings, but those standings that could have been, those positions that could have been changed were one through eight. If we didn't have the playing tournament, we would have had a game, Charlotte against Washington, basically for the eighth seed. Golden State and Memphis, that game was a big game and I'm sure a few of you watched it, but that would have been the do or die playing game. Those two teams playing off for the eighth seed, that's what it would have been. So almost we had less drama on the final day of the season because of the playing, you know, but now we're going to get a little bit of extended drama for two or three days before the postseason. So it'd be interesting to kind of see just, just how intense and just how, how razor close this, these playing games are, because if there's a few blowouts, then I would make the case that potentially it would have been more interesting to see just the one through eights play off of those positions on the last day of the season. Yeah, I thought when you told when you said this to me pre-recording this part, I thought it was an excellent point of view because it's something I hadn't thought about myself, hadn't really heard too many people say, you know, it would be more exciting if there was no play-in. All the talk was now that there is a play-in, it's going to be more exciting. And yes, it has, uh, you know, given teams that potentially would have been out of the playoffs more reason to keep going, potentially a Sacramento mm-hmm. or a Pelicans um you know chicago. chicago would have mailed it in you know Toronto. two three weeks ago um but i guess the thought of still being able to to make it um you know it really made them at least be competitive on a nightly basis the other day not to again not to get too off track but i mean the raptors gave your mavericks a, a pretty good game and they didn't have too many guys so the fact mm. that they're still remaining competitive and at least trying, even though they're out of it, it's, it does make it good in that respect. Um, but there are still yeah. always going to be tanking teams. Trying hard. They're, they're they're real hard. If, if we'll, we'll address it as well when, you know, sort of <laughs> the lead up to the lottery and, and we might we'll do a pod to review the draft lottery as well. I think that kicks off. Gosh, it's got to be soon. and It would have to be June, uh, maybe, mm. even, maybe even sooner. Um, we'll have to double check that because it might yeah. have, it almost definitely overlap with the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So look, we'll say if Minnesota fall out and Golden State get that pick, go and take a, a look mm-hmm. at the last three weeks of how Minnesota's been playing and the games they've been winning. It's it makes no sense given given their team situation. Uh, so yeah, we'll probably leave things there because games will get this pot out. If you're listening to it, it'll probably be Tuesday, the 18th of May. Uh, games will kick off with the East, uh, Charlotte v. Indiana and Washington v. Boston on Wednesday. Um, and then Thursday is uh, the West side of things. So San Antonio, Memphis before Golden State and the Lakers take center stage for that really uh, intriguing game. So Darcy and I will come back into a pod probably after the West playing games and uh, potentially uh, – look ahead to, to preview um, whoever won 9v10 in both uh, the West and the East versus the loser of the 7-8. So we might review these first four playing games, preview the next two, and uh, then we'll be back to basically preview the the playoffs once we then have the one through eight set from, from both sides. Ooh. So it's really exciting. We do already know a couple of series with the four, five and the three, six already being locked in from both sides, but we just wanted to focus on the plan today. Uh, and then we can sort of touch on, touch on everything. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, to speak about before we, before we shut things off? No, I don't think so. This is, this is definitely the time if you haven't been watching that many games this season to go in and watch one from start to finish because Absolutely. not only is there going to be a lot on the line, but you're really going to find out what some of these all-star or superstar players are made of. The difference between really good players and the all-time greats are the ones who are able to get it done on the biggest stage. And this is what we're coming up to. So these games that we talk about all the time, these games that really matter, these are the ones that matter when you might be going home and packing your bags. You might be going fishing for the rest of the the rest of the <laughs> summer over in America. So I'm also interested to see how our um, 
our tips on on the season awards as they slowly come out throughout the um, the playoff rounds and see see how we go picking some of those because you know it's interesting to see there's a lot of money on the line for some players on um, in getting those awards as well. So something to keep an eye out for and um, yeah, keep an eye out for uh, for maybe some daily locks. We're going to make sure that we get yes. those pumping through the we'll, playoffs. That'll be that'll be. Can we reset? Can we reset the the um the records and then try to go 500 in the playoffs? Maybe maybe we can. Yeah, I reckon we can. We can easily do that because yeah, because it's a new season. Regular season. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Does it's a new we're season. Back in 500. It's a new we're back season. In so we're we're both <laughs> O and O, which we we've coming Let's off of a really big, uh, you know, regular season. We've made it to the playoffs. We've done enough. <laughs> Uh, we made the play-in. We, we made, made the, the play-in. Play that's true. Um, so yeah, ex- expect our daily locks to be back, um, and uh, we'll, we'll try and bring some winners in. I'm definitely going to have a bracket challenge. Once a bracket is set for one through eight, I'm going to post on all my socials. Yes, you you do this. Join in. This is great. Join in on the yep. bracket challenge. I think yep. we had about 16 people join in last season. Yep. Um, I, I was absolutely awful in the bubble picking it, but yeah, pick your playoff matchups from 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 both conferences all the way down to the finals, picking the scores in each round yep. for a total score. It should be should be really interesting. Get involved. And um, yeah, we want to see who comes out on top. Yeah, 100%. That's always a good bit of fun. Um, you know, really an opportunity to, uh, you know, back up all this talk that you're a great tipster and, you, you know, you, you watch a lot of ball and you know the NBA well. Well, let's put it to the test. It's really see how you go. Challenges. So, uh, yeah, good, good call. Look out for that with uh, Das um, posting that across his socials because that's always a good bit of fun. I don't. There's there's no money, is there? Should we do a money thing or no? Or is that a bit of maybe just to potentially you know get some uh, get some some prides on the line? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say other than just bragging rights. Maybe, maybe I'll chuck a little tenner or a little 20 bucks in. Why not? We hope uh, you enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll be back and speak to you guys very soon. Take it easy, guys. All right. All right, guys. See you later.